Chapter Four of the Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong, the Factory Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter Four: A Little Cottage Gossip, A Visit of Charity, Practical Benevolence. The promptitude of the measures taken by Mister Joseph Parsons to bring to effect the wishes of his master showed him to be deserving the post of confidence he held as principal superintendent of Sir Matthew Dowling's factory he lost not a moment in obtaining a short interview with one of the parish officers who was his particular friend and then made his way to hawksley lane with the intention of questioning the widowed mother of the two armstrongs as to the situation of her affairs and the particular species of misery from which she might at that precise moment be suffering the most the statement pronounced in sir matthew's kitchen respecting the general eligibility of hawksley lane as a place of residence was perfectly correct it was the most deplorable hole in the parish a narrow deep-rutted parish road too hopelessly bad to be indicted led from the turnpike down a steep hill to the town of ashley exactly at the bottom of the hill just at the point where every summer storm and winter torrent deposited their gatherings there to remain and be absorbed as they might began a long closely packed double row of miserable dwellings crowded to excess by the population drawn together by the neighbouring factories there was a squalid untrimmed look about them all that spoke fully as much of want of care as of want of cash in the unthrifty tribe who dwelt there it was like the moral delinquencies of a corporate body of which no man is ashamed because no man can be pointed at as the guilty one it was not the business of number one to look after the filth accumulated in front of number two and the inhabitants of number three saw no use in mending the gate that swung on one hinge because number four had no gate at all and the dogs and the pigs who made good their entry there of course found their way easy enough through the make-believe hedge which throughout the row divided one tenement from another the very vilest rags were hanging before most of the doors as demonstration that washing of garments was occasionally resorted to within crawling infants half-starved cats mangy curs and fowls that looked as if each particular feather had been used as a scavenger's broom shared the dust and sunshine between them while an odour which seemed compounded of a multitude of villainous smells all reeking together into one floated over them driving the pure untainted air of heaven aloft far beyond the reach of any human lungs abiding in hawksley lane where does widow armstrong live demanded mr parsons of a woman who was whipping a child for tumbling in the dunghill before number five in the back kitchen of number twelve please your honour replied the woman making a low reverence to the well-known superintendent number twelve why that's sykes tenement and they're on the ground floor themselves yes please your honour but since the rents have been raised by sir matthew the sykes have been obliged to let off the back kitchen and live in the front one why there's a matter of a dozen of em isn't there yes your honour they lies terrible close obstinate dolt heads that's just because they pretend to fancy that it is not good for the small children to work i know for certain that they have got two above five years that they won't send to the factory and then they have the audaciousness to complain that the rents are raised as if because they are above choosing to earn money in an honest way sir matthew was not to make what he could of his own tis disgusting to see such airs where people ought to be thankful and happy to get work that's quite true no doubt sir answered the woman continuing to shake and occasionally to slap the grub of a child she had taken off the dunghill but robert sykes children are very weakly and them as your honour talks of is almost too small 
though tisn't to be doubted that it is the bounden duty of us all to send em sooner than see em starve i fancy so indeed replied mr parsons adding with a finger pointed at the squalling child who still continued under the cleansing process above described and isn't it a comfort now mrs miller to get rid of the plague of em the woman ceased to shake her little boy and looking for a moment at the clear blue eyes that notwithstanding her rough discipline were very lovingly turned up to her face something like a shudder passed over her get along with you bill said she as if afraid that the blighting glance of the superintendent should rest upon him and then added as long as they so be very small your honour they can't do no good if they be sent stuff and nonsense there's ways to teach em but don't fancy that i want to send your brats confound em they're the greatest plagues in nature and nothing on god's earth but good-heartedness and love of his country could ever make sir matthew for one trouble himself or his men with any of their creatures number twelve is it where shall i find the widow armstrong yes please your honour you'll be sure to find her she's a cripple poor soul and can't stir she's made up her mind to go into the workhouse hasn't she demanded the manager have she indeed poor thing responded the woman in an accent of compassion i heard so as i come along and that's the reason i'm going to her our good sir matthew who to be sure is the kindest-hearted man in the whole world has taken a fancy to her boy and he'll be a father to him i'll be bound to say he will and that's why i think he'd like me to give her a call just to tell her not to fret herself about the workhouse if she don't like going there she needn't i dare say with such a good friend as she's got the woman stared at him with an air of such genuine astonishment that the superintendent felt disconcerted and turning abruptly away continued his progress down the lane by the time he had reached number twelve however he had begun to doubt whether his sudden appearance at the bedside of the widow armstrong might not produce an effect unfavourable to the object he had in view as sure as steam steam thought he she'll be more inclined to fancy that i am come scolding about the boys for something than to take her part or do her pleasure so i'll just say a civil word to the sykes and then stroll away till such time as the parish officers have been after her i'll engage for it that sam butchel won't let no grass grow under his feet after what i said to him and if i turn in when he's there as if to see what was going on it would certainly be more natural-like and believable in accordance with this improved projet de charite mr joseph parsons walked on but he had not proceeded far ere on turning his head round to reconnoitre he perceived not the tall and burly sam butchel the overseer of the parish but the lean and lathy person of little michael advancing with an eager and rapid step towards his mother's dwelling so ejaculated the sagacious parsons here comes the charity job it would be worth a week's wages to hear him tell his own story mr joseph parsons had a napoleon-like promptitude of action which the unlearned operatives described by calling him a word and a blow man but which in reality often deserved the higher epithet above bestowed scarcely had the thought of overhearing little michael's tale suggested itself ere a sidelong movement ensconced him for a moment behind a favouring pigsty from whence unseen he watched the boy enter the door of number twelve again napoleon-like he remembered all he had heard from her neighbour concerning the position of the widow's dwelling-place and rightly judging that sykes's back kitchen must in some way or other be in condition to favour the emission of sound he troubled not the household by making his approaches through the principal entrance 
but striding over the inefficient fence of the tiny cabbage plot behind obtained a station as favourable to his purpose as he could possibly desire this was a nook between a protuberance intended for an oven and the window close beside the widow armstrong's bed from whence prophetic fate favouring the yet latent purpose of the manager had caused three panes to be extracted by a volley of pebbles intended for mother sykes's cat at least two months before to this safe and commodious crouching-place he made his way just in time to hear the widow say understand one word of edward's story mike so sit down dear boy and tell me all why mother tis like a story-book and it's very fine to be sure but yet and the boy stopped short but yet you don't like it mike rejoined his mother that's what you was goin to say tell the truth my child and don't go to keep nothing from me that was it said mike ungrateful viper muttered the confidential superintendent between his closed teeth poor fellow poor dear michael exclaimed the woman soothingly it was hard to go to sleep without kissing mother wasn't it yes i didn't like that nor i didn't like being without teddy neither and i didn't like the grumpy old lady has come into the kitchen and abused me nor the gentleman's servants either except the gardener and he took hold of my hand and led me along kind enough and i like molly too that she's as give me my supper and my bed and my breakfast this morning mother oh mother how i did long to bring away some of the milk and bread and butter home with me never think of such a thing for your life boy exclaimed the mother eagerly it would be thieving nothing else michael nothing more nor less than thieving never mention that again to me dear that's a darling i won't mother but i know i shall think of it every time i see them big pounds of butter and jugs of milk and minds how careful you be over your little scrimped bit in the broken saucer and how you drinks your drop of tea without ever having any milk at all never you mind that darling but what are they going to do with you mike and what for do they want to have you up at the great house tis a mystery to me and thankful as we ought to be for any help i can't say but i should be easier in my mind if i understood something about it impertinent hag growled the surly parsons from his lair does she think they are going to trap him like a rabbit for the sake of his skin but mother i don't understand anything about it myself said michael rather dolefully to this avowal no reply was made for some minutes upon which the superintendent grew impatient and stretching forward his neck a little contrived athwart the sheltering branches of an elder-bush to peep through the broken window to the agent of sir matthew dowling's benevolence the sight that presented itself was really revolting though there may be others who would have been affected differently by it michael had flung himself across the bed his arms were thrown round his mother who was sitting upright with some piece of needlework in her hands and his dark curls set off in strong contrast the extreme paleness of the face that looked down upon him the widow armstrong was still rather a young woman and would still have been a very lovely one had not sickness and poor living sharpened the delicate features and destroyed the oval outline that nature had made perfect yet she had quite enough of beauty left to detain the eye and such a history of patient suffering might be read in every line of her speaking countenance that few ever looked upon her harshly spite of her extreme poverty too she was clean her cap was clean the bedclothes were clean and the pale hands too looked so very white 
that if mr parsons from his hiding-place had ventured to speak any opinion concerning her he would certainly have given utterance to the strong expression of indignation at the abominable air of delicacy which her appearance displayed she looked as if she were struggling with some painful feeling but did not weep though her boy did heartily for a little while she suffered his tears to flow without interruption or reproof and then she kissed him once twice thrice there now michael she said looking at him fondly have you not played baby long enough stand up darling and listen to me you don't seem over glad mike of this great change and if you did perhaps i would have been over sorry but sorrow would be sin for either of us when god has sent us help tis you that be the heartiest mike and tis you that want food the most growing at the rate you do and heart sore have i been at meal-times to see you so stinted so never let us trouble ourselves any more about the reasons for your getting so into favour but just thank god and be contented but mother how will you get on without me replied michael shaking his head i am sure that teddy can't make your bed as i do he hasn't the strength in his arms and who's to fetch water deed indeed mother you'd better thank sir matthew and say no unless he'll just please to let teddy go instead that won't do my dear child in any way tis i must watch poor edward little as i can do for him i don't think he'd like to part from me as long as god is pleased to let me stay that's true mother that's very true teddy would break his heart no no tisn't he shall be parted from you i'll show him how to make the bed if i can't come over myself but perhaps they'll let me mother what's the business that you'll have to do michael inquired the widow i haven't been told of any business yet replied the boy but you don't expect that you're going to be kept for nothing dear said the mother smiling tisn't for my work mother tis for the cow replied michael gravely the cow child what is it you and teddy have got into your heads about a cow a poor starved beast he says it was that wouldn't have frightened a mouse and you made it turn round mike that's all i can make out but he must be mistaken surely what was it you did about the cow darling at this question the boy burst into a hearty fit of laughter which to say truth offended the listening ears of mr joseph parsons still more than his weeping had done i'll do his business for him he may depend upon it thought he if master must have a charity job he must but it don't follow that the creature shan't be made to know himself just as well as if he was in the factory i'll be your overlooker yet master mike just as this prophetic sketching of the future had made itself distinctly visible to his mind's eye the bodily senses of the agent announced to him that the tranquil tete-a-tete within the widow's chamber was disturbed by the entrance of persons whose voice and step announced that they were men mr parsons was at no loss to guess their errand here they come muttered he now we'll see how master butchel manages his job we be come to see said a gruff voice within the widow's chamber whether or no you be come to your senses mrs armstrong sir said the trembling woman in return you knows well enough what i means without my going into it again you knows well enough as i comes to talk to ye about the house again we've had larkins the baker coming to inquire if there's a parish pay to look to for your bill mrs armstrong and i have told him no not a farthing 
not the quarter of a farthing unless you'll come into the house the parish have gone on allowing you two shilling a week week after week god knows how long tis a perfect shame and imposition and the board says they won't do it no longer you and the boys too may come in if you will that's one thing but living here cramming em with as much wheaten bread as they'll eat without paying for it is another and it's what no honest parish don't tolerate i'll be bound to say now as you have brought up the scamps without their ever knowing the taste of gruel tell the truth did you ever take the trouble to make a drop of gruel for em as long as i had my legs to stand upon sir i never minded trouble and when my husband was living we did a deal better and i have done cooking for em then such as a few potatoes and a cabbage may be with a scrap of bacon on a sunday but from the hour he died we have never had a pot upon the fire that's what is to be so obstinate if you'd come into the house you'd see the pot upon the fire all day long most but the children would be in one room after they came from the factory and i should be in another pleaded the widow and i've got a few of the decent things as i married with when i came from service and it would be a grief to me to see em all sold if the parish don't sell em larkins the baker will you may take my word for that mrs armstrong replied the overseer however tis your business not mine here's a decent respectable man as is ready to take all you've got at evaluation fair and honourable but that's just as you please i only called as in duty bound to tell ye that the parish don't mean to continue no such extravagance as paying you two shillings a week no longer god help me answered the widow gently if tis his will that so it should be it would be a sin for me to complain that's vastly fine beant it said the brutal butchel and now let's hear what you'll be after saying to master larkins for here he comes as sure as eggs be eggs an abrupt and most peremptory demand for three pounds two shillings and seven pence was here made by a sour-looking little man who entered the small room without ceremony making a group of intruders round the widow's bed equally unwanted and unwelcome her overtaxed courage seemed to fail for it was with something like a sob that she replied to his demand by saying i shall have twelve shillings to take for needlework when this is done and you shall have it every farthing sir if you'll be so merciful and who's to pay your rent mrs armstrong if i may be so bold said mr butchel the widow had not a word to say for herself and covering her face with her hands wept bitterly now's my time said parsons to himself as he stealthily crept from his hiding-place now for sir matthew's benevolence and in a minute afterwards his tall gaunt figure and hard countenance were added to the company the noise he made in entering caused the widow to uncover her eyes and it was with an emotion little short of terror that she recognized the tyrant at whose name her children's cheeks grew pale instinctively she stretched out her hand and took hold of that of michael who was still seated on the side of the bed but the boy shook it off as if his mother's love was a secret treasure that the overlooker must not see and suddenly standing up he remained with his eyes fixed on the ground and his hands hanging by his sides as if petrified hello why what's the matter now is all the parish come to wish joy to this good woman here said the overlooker with as jocund an air as he could persuade his iron features to assume wish her joy responded the well-tutored parish officer and for what mr parsons if you please 
for having an honest tradesman come upon her with the gripe of the law in hopes to get what's his own she's got into trouble i promise you and i don't very well see how she's to get out of it you don't say so said the confidential agent what is that you mr larkins coming to take the law of a poor body this way i didn't think you was so hard-hearted i don't deserve that character sir replied the baker sharply for though desired to call and enforce his claim by the parish overseer mr larkins knew not a word about sir matthew's scheme of benevolence and the proof that my heart isn't harder than other people's he continued is that i gave the widow here credit for what has been excepting a few ounces of tea her whole and sole living for months past and very kind of ye too observed the conciliating superintendent i should like to know then what became of all the money the two boys got besides her own needlework and of late two shilling a week from the parish beside observed mr butchel why that is rather puzzling i must say replied mr parsons but no matter for that no matter for that just now this family has got a kind friend i promise you yes but it does matter returned larkins it can't be right nohow for me to be out of three pounds two shillings and seven pence and she with such lots of money indeed indeed sir said the widow once more looking up at him i have done my very best paying a little and a little at a time as you know i never stopped doing only for two weeks that my biggest that is my oldest boy was making up time that was lost when he was homesick and so got no wages but the seven shillings a week that they get between em and my uncertain bit of needlework gentlemen can't stand for food and clothes and rent and a little soap to keep us decent and a bit of firing to boil a drop of water it can't do all that gentlemen without getting behindhand when any making up time comes in the factory well then that's just the reason why you must come into the house replied butchel and at any rate you may depend upon getting no more money out of it upon hearing these words the decent respectable man who was willing to take the widow's goods at a valiation fair and honourable began examining the condition of a chair that stood near him an operation which the widow eyed with the most piteous look imaginable come into the house i tell you without more ado resumed butchel and what in god's name do you think we want you in for but your own good do you think the parish have a fancy for maintaining crippled women and children by way of pleasure tis ruination anyway but when you're in we know the worst of it at once and that's something the boys wages will go a bit to help and at any rate there'll be no two shillings to pay which is what the overseers hates above all things and what they won't continue to do so now i have said my say and here mr butchel began to move his heavy person towards the door stop a minute mr butchel if you please sir ejaculated sir matthew's superintendent i should be sorry to let you go back to your employers under any delusion or mistake whatever and the fact is that this good woman the widow armstrong is no more likely to go into the workhouse than you are yourself mr butchel begging your pardon for naming such a thing then i suppose as it's yourself as means to keep her out of it mr parsons replied the parish officer jocosely not exactly me myself replied the other in the same tone but it's one as much more able as he is willing it is sir matthew dowling as intends to befriend her and that not only on account of the general charitableness of his temper which all who know him really well are quite aware is very great but because that little boy as stands there and who is one of our factory children 
saved a friend of lady dowling's last night from something she looked upon to be a considerable danger and does sir matthew mean to see me paid demanded the baker upon my word mr larkin that's more than what i've got authority to say replied parsons but howsomever i don't think that you had best go on just at this particular minute to persecute about it seeing that in course sir matthew won't take it civil when he's being such a friend himself to the widow i don't want to do nothing uncivil to nobody replied the baker but i don't quite understand this business it is something new isn't it sir matthew setting up for a soft-hearted gentleman among the factory folks new to you may be mr larkin but not to me replied the trustworthy agent there isn't another to be found look which way you will that can be compared with sir matthew dolling for real true benevolent charitableness when he finds proper objects for it the baker stared the man of old chairs and tables scratched his puzzled head the intelligent mr butchel looked at the speaker with a knowing wink the widow fixed her eyes upon her patchwork quilt and little michael in astonishment which conquered terror raised his eyes to the superintendent's face while that worthy advocate of a master's virtues stood firmly striking his stout cane upon the ground with the air of a man ready to do battle with all the world in support of what he has asserted well then at any rate my business is done and ended said mr butchel moving off and i wish you joy mrs armstrong of your unaccountable good fortune come along jim said the baker to the respectable dealer in seized goods there's nothing to be done to-day that's clear but i hope you'll remember the twelve shillings as you promised me mrs armstrong i will indeed sir answered the widow earnestly and on receiving this assurance mr larkin took his departure with his professional friend leaving mr joseph parsons the widow armstrong and her son michael to carry on whatever conversation they might wish for without interruption well now if i ain't glad they're gone them fellows said the superintendent shutting the door after them you are a favoured woman mrs armstrong to get rid of em as you have done and i don't and won't question that you are thankful to those to whom thanks are due i always wish to be so sir said the widow well there's no hardship in that i suppose but about this son of yours this young master michael you must see to his doing his duty to his benefactor if he was to prove ungrateful mrs armstrong it is but fair to tell you that i wouldn't undertake to answer for the consequences god forbid he ever should be ungrateful to any as was kind to him replied the poor woman but indeed sir i don't think it is in his heart to be so since the day he was born god bless him i have had little besides love to give him and indeed sir i think the child would die for me michael slyly stole his little hand sideways under the bedclothes where it was soon clasped in that of his mother but his eyes were again firmly riveted upon the ground ay ay that's all very well but it has nothing to do in any way with his duty and obligations to sir matthew what i want to know is whether he is ready and willing to do that which sir matthew will require of him that's the main question you see mrs armstrong and what will that be sir said the widow while michael's eyes were again raised for a moment to the face of his taskmaster he is to be made a gentleman of that's to be the first work put upon him the poor woman smiled but little michael shook his head the superintendent appeared to pay no attention to either but again striking his cane magisterially upon the ground he added let him make up his mind to do all that he's bid 
and come back to dowling lodge with as little delay as possible with these words and without deigning to bestow any species of parting salutation upon those to whom they were addressed mr parsons left the room End of chapter four